0: From the campus of Harvard Medical School, this is Think Research, a podcast devoted to the stories behind clinical research. I'm Abi, your host. Think Research is brought to you by Harvard Catalyst, Harvard University's Clinical and Translational Science Center, and by NCATS, the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences. The Implementation Science Journal defines implementation research as the scientific study of methods to promote the systematic uptake of research findings and other evidence-based practices into routine practice, and hence to improve the quality and effectiveness of health services. On today's episode, join us as we talk with Dr. Gina Cruz, Clinician Investigator at Massachusetts General Hospital and Implementation Lab Director at the Implementation Science Center for Cancer Control Equity at Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Join us as we discover the real world applications of implementation research and its impact on underserved communities. Hi, Dr. Cruz. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So, you're currently a clinical investigator in the Division of General Internal Medicine at MGH. Could you walk us through your and career path, some of your upbringing that influenced some of your work?
1: So let's see. Um, so i'm I'm from rural Colorado. I grew up on a cattle ranch. We moved around a bit for different farms in a couple different states, but always out west and always with cattle around. And I went to college thinking I was going to be a large animal veterinarian. Worked my way through college and did work study in an immunology lab where I sort of had a, my first research experience. And I found that I didn't love cleaning glassware, but I did really like the statistics and the study design and the hypothesis testing. So between work study and like an honors thesis really got a, um, a taste for research and also somewhere along the way, some of my animal science advisors had suggested I consider human medicine as well as animal medicine because of the flexibility offered in the different the variety of career paths. And so I did, I did start to think about humans and I guess the last little thing there, that's kind of a funny little tidbit on the career path was my advisor was a geneticist in the department of animal science. And their brother went to Baylor College of Medicine and that must've stuck because that was where I went a few years later. But before I got to medical school, I sort of had to figure out what I was getting into with this human medicine business because all of my experience had involved livestock before that. So I did some shadowing and I actually did a master's degree in rural health services research. So looking at access to care in places like the ones where I grew up to understand continuity and barriers and regular source of care. So got um, some more time SAS programming, some more statistics, sort of learned the joy of writing papers and working with survey research. And so went into the medical school with a pretty strong intention of having research be a part of my future career. And then in, at Baylor, um, in Houston, in the Texas Medical Center, it's a wonderful place to train. We had a chance to do a global health track. And so I did that, and my project was a group doing research on infectious disease prevention in energy workers, and it included a short trip to Russia. So that was kind of my foray into prevention research and global health. And that was shortly followed by two overseas fellowships. So I I was a Fogarty fellow. There's lots of Fogarty fellows running around um, our institution, but I was a Fogarty fellow placed in St. Petersburg where my work was again, um, infectious disease prevention and people um, with substance use disorder. So again, with the prevention, that that part was really, really stuck. And um, somewhere along the way, my Fogarty cohort had sent out another opportunity to stay overseas a bit longer. And so I applied for that and went to Zambia for a year with something called the Center for Infectious Disease Research in Zambia. And there we worked on some quality improvement research in the HIV care and treatment clinics did some work with clinical trials, and also did some first experience qualitative research. We were doing some work with the workforce there to understand burnout, not just measuring the prevalence, but also understanding really what it meant and how it materialized and you know what sort of influenced it. So that was important because I continue to do a lot of qualitative and mixed methods research to this day. And that was really sort of the, the first part. To me, it was really sort of a path into prevention research. So when you're working in places where secondary and tertiary care are more challenging to access. You don't have an MGH down the road like I do. Prevention t- is just that much more impactful. And for so for me, it's always been a really meaningful place to work to help people stay healthy and keep them out of that that hospital because it, it's not that close or easy to get to. So I think that was kind of the, the path to prevention. And I think the, probably the other kind of common thread there is working with populations where medical care may be harder to reach, whether it's the rural U.S. or global populations or marginalized populations, depending on what sites we were working with.
0: Thank you so much for sharing all of that and, and how it brought you to where you are today. And a lot of your work is shaped around implementation research. Would you provide us with a brief explanation of what that is? What is implementation research?
1: The definition I like for implementation research is getting the things that we know work from the science and the evidence into practice and doing it equitably so that, you know, it's actually there in the hands of the people that stand to benefit from it. And much of it revolves around this idea that it takes, you know, 14 years for data from an RCT to get into a clinical practice setting where somebody's going to benefit from it. So that's kind of my rough definition is like, how do we get things that we know work into people's hands so they can use them and make choices with that as part of their consideration, all that scientific evidence.
0: So you're the implementation lab director at the Implementation Science Center for Cancer Control Equity at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Can you talk about the work being done there and your role?
1: Yeah, happy to. And I also think like, I know I just said, I'm like not an implementation scientist and yet I have this implementation lab director title. That sounds kind of funny. The Implementation Science Center for Cancer Control Equity, which we call IC for short, just so you don't have to, it's a bit of a mouthful, otherwise, we call it IC. Perfect. <laughs> it's a partnership between the Harvard TH Chan School of Public Health and investigators there, the MGH Craft Center for Community Health, and some other investigators around the institution, like people like me and the Division of GenMed and the Mangan Institute at MGH. And we're partnering with the Mass League of Community Health Centers, which is the primary care association for federally qualified health centers in Massachusetts. We're partnering with them to try and create some infrastructure to be able to do community-engaged research and implementation science with community health centers. That infrastructure involves a lot of things that you need for research, right? It's like figuring out how data is shared and collected and how resources are shared, develops the partnerships among all of the, the players. And as the implementation lab director, I get to be a bit of a spoke so trying to sort of make some connections and do some translation between the data collection and the research design and the people on the ground and the health centers and the administrative part of, part of all this to sort of bring folks together to create some relationships. And a big part of that also is sort of trying to create some community between the community health centers as well as the investigators or partners at the Mass League around the topic of implementation science and cancer control and prevention. The implementation lab does things like One sort of working to identify health center partners who would be a good fit for a specific topic, as well as working with the health center partners to identify what topics they care about and wanna work on. We build community through an implementation learning community, which we do quarterly. It started during COVID, so it's been entirely virtual. We just had one this month on health equity. It's both a forum for talking about topics together and a shared understanding of what this means for the health centers and how it might fit into implementation science. And it's also a space to disseminate results through the center. So when we've done pilot studies and worked with folks, it's a place where we can share. And talk through the meaning and implications and interpretations of that thing. So the health equity learning community that we just had, for example, we shared some results of a set of interviews where one of our investigators sat down and spoke with community health center partners about what health equity is to them in their work, how it's operationalized, what are the, the challenges, what are the resources, what are the strengths they have to bring to the problem and sort of how do they think about it? And then we could bring that together and sort of talk and get some shared understanding of what you know, that initial look at the data meant the center is really set up to do community engaged research and the learning communities are a space to, to have that sort of coming together and sharing and learning from each other.
0: Thank you. And I think you started to touch on this a bit, but you've talked about how your work connects with healthcare centers. What's the role of healthcare centers in the work that you do?
1: There's probably a couple of places here. I have other roles besides the Implementation Science Center for Cancer Control Equity or IC. And I see that connection is clear. So the health center partners really are our, we're, we're trying to do community-engaged research where we work with, with health centers to answer implementation science questions that matter to them. And so we've tried to set up systems to identify topics that they care about, to set up methods that fit within health centers, both leveraging the strengths that they bring, their knowledge of the community, the trust they have in their community, as well as some of the resource limitations that federally qualified health centers face. So IC is working to do pilot studies with community health centers. I think elsewhere, besides this cancer prevention stuff, the other big part of my research is tobacco cessation. And that's happened in a variety of settings that um, kind of align with that background story I gave up front. So I continue to do some global health, mostly on the topic of tobacco that works in community settings and in practice settings. And then I've also done some tobacco work with our uh, Mass General Brigham affiliated community health centers as well. So yeah, community health centers continue to be a key, a key partner in much of what I do. So it's not just the practice setting, but it's really meant to partner with the individuals and in those organizations and the patients served by those organizations to have, you know, patient-centered, community-engaged work.
0: You just mentioned federally qualified health centers. Can you define what a federally qualified healthcare center is?
1: So I have been lucky to do some of my clinical work with some of the MGH-affiliated community health centers which are similar to federally qualified health centers and the patients that they serve and um, the services that they provide. But federally qualified health centers are um, a unique definition and they are community-based providers that receive money from HRSA to provide primary care services in underserved areas. And they have a stringent set of requirements that includes things like having sliding scale based on ability to pay to serving everyone who walks through the door, and to have a governing board that includes the patients that they serve. And so they have these sort of strict requirements and this federal support, um, but they're really, you know, they, their mission is to be at the front line in these underserved areas and providing care for everybody. So there's sort of this special designation that's a little bit different from our MGH affiliated community health centers.
0: Thank you for defining that for us. From what you've seen, what are some implementation strategies that work in healthcare centers?
1: I think the answer is it depends. You know, in implementation science, we have this huge, big, long list of implementation strategies. There's facilitation, there's audit and feedback, there's reminders, there's changes in incentives and payment models. So there's big, long list of strategies. And I'm pretty sure they haven't all been tested in community health center settings, but many have, and some work for some things and not for others. And it may not have anything to do with the health center in particular, as much as like the fit of the strategy with, with the intervention, for example, it's definitely not a one size fits all working with the health centers. We've learned how important it is to have some co-development in the in what what you're testing and what you're doing because you really need to find this combination of with your strategy, what are sort of the key parts of the strategy that you need to do to like be the strategy that you're trying to test, like what are those sort of core functions that are dif- like help define what it is. And then what different formats can that take to fit into the different contexts and workflows of, of the different settings, health centers or other practice settings. And so you know, can this specific content be delivered in a couple of different ways and either one of those is still holding true to what you think your, your strategy is. And I kind of described all that with regards to implementation strategies. For me, I think one of the very challenging things that you have to do up front in implementation science projects is this exercise of kind of mapping out what piece is what. So core to implementation science, you have an evidence-based intervention or evidence-based treatment or something. So you have that, and then you have a strategy to try and get it to people. But it's not always entirely black and white, what's the intervention and what's the strategy, right? So if, if I'm doing um, a text message program to deliver behavioral support for tobacco cessation, is the text message the intervention or is it the implementation strategy? And I think for different studies, it could be either. So if it's an evidence-based package of a t- tobacco cessation texting program that's been tested against a standard control or something else, so you can say that in and of itself is an evidence-based intervention. And then you want to have a strategy for how you get people to use it, right? So like, do you send out public health campaigns? Do, do you have their provider you know, connect them into it when they're in the clinic? Those might be the strategies for implementing it. On the other hand, the content that goes into those messages might be the evidence-based intervention. If it's delivering CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, that might be the evidence-based intervention. And delivering it by text message is just one of a few options or strategies for getting it to people. It could be delivered by phone, through the patient portal, through in-person group meetings. And in that case, the texting itself might be the strategy as opposed to the intervention. Again, like I'm sure there's implementation scientists out here who would be like, no, you're not thinking of that right. But to me, like sitting down and taking a minute to say, okay, what's the intervention and what what delineates that from the strategy is a really important part up front. And, and then you have to think about all these intricacies of the core functions for each of those things. Like what's the, what are the core features of the intervention and the, the strategy, which of them can be adapted to meet the specific needs of a community health center, populations, workflows, whatever. So that you have a clear idea of what it is we're trying to deliver, how it can be adapted or changed or modified to fit the local workflow, I think is is such a huge part of whether something works or not. And having the space to do that kind of co-development and figure out, okay, here's the different forms it can take, here's what our workflows look like, what's going to fit for us, and is that still true to this intervention that you're trying to test or implement? I think like that's that's sort of upfront work to to delineate what it is you're doing. And, you know, it's sort of the downstream stuff is, okay, what are the outcomes to those different things? Like what is the intervention outcome that you're looking at? What is the implementation strategy outcome that you're looking at? Like the implementation strategy outcome for that texting example might be how many people does the program reach? How many people get it and use it? That might be what you're comparing with an in-person model versus a texting model. What works and what doesn't, I think it just really depends on the project, the center, the intervention, so many different, so many different things, but it's co-development and flexibility and sort of really thinking upfront about what places you can be flexible to fit within your partner's workflows, I think is, is sort of a key to success in terms of what works. So it may not be a specific strategy, but having that space to work together to fit it into their practice is important.
0: So you just talked about how um, the strategies that do and do not work in community healthcare centers are really um, tied to what works in the community and kind of the local setting. So when you think about um, being someone who is academically trained and now working in community healthcare centers, how do you think about this community engaged side of the work you do?
1: You know, I think for those of us who went along training to be clinician investigators, there's sort of this path you do that's often very quantitative. Some of us get some qualitative and mixed methods training along the way. But the thing that we don't often get that maybe is changing, but I know it wasn't a huge part of my structured training getting to my current faculty position like through fellowship and things like that was how to do community engaged research and how to work with partners outside of the academic medical center or the integrated healthcare delivery system with like a research unit these institutions that were you know we have these all these amazing resources to to make research possible like patient registries and our irbs and things like that but training, like learning how to work with people outside of that kind of structure and world is so important if you wanna have representative research and research that includes these populations. Most of us want to benefit from this work we're doing, but if you're not sort of partnering with them and understanding the different contexts, the communities, the cultures, I think you're gonna be very challenged to have the influence that you wanna have on those, on those populations. And, you know, community health centers are a special place to, to partner with. And I just feel so lucky that I have gotten to do some of this work with them and gotten to know lots of the folks out there and at the Mass League, because they're, you know, they're, they're really sort of this mission driven community based you know, set of health centers that have this amazing position within their community. And they, they have so many strengths that I, I think really can take the research, particularly like implementation science and community-engaged research to new places because they have these strengths and positions of trust and knowledge of their community that sometimes you get a little bit removed from working in kind of a big integrated healthcare delivery system. Not to say that our own integrated healthcare delivery system isn't community engaged, they really do a lot of great work working with their community health centers and community partners. But, you know, I think federally qualified health centers are a really unique kind of organization. And and I just feel so lucky to have gotten to partner with them on this. And I think, you know, for researchers who are interested in working with diverse populations and historically marginalized populations and all the kind of special populations that health centers work with, There may be space in our training programs and research fellowships to create some tools and some knowledge generation around how you build those partnerships. And and I think there's so much to learn. Even the science around how you create those sustainable relationships is is an interesting space.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Cruz. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Thanks so
1: much for having me. Um, It's always a pleasure,
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us on iTunes and help us spread the word about the amazing research taking place across the Harvard community and beyond. We are always looking to connect and collaborate with the research community and would like to hear from you. Please feel free to email us at onlineeducation.catalyst.harvard.edu to inquire about being a guest on the podcast.